Hello and welcome to the 108 podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Raquel. And we are the Type 1 Together Girls. We are stripping down life with type 1 diabetes from two people who live different versions of it every single day. Please remember that Type 1 Together does not give medical advice. We are only sharing from personal experience. Yes. Okay. So today's episode is a special one. We have a guest. Our first guest. Our first guest. Say hello, guest. Hi, everyone. This is my <laughs> husband, Danny. <laughs> we're so excited to have Danny on the podcast today. Yeah, happy to be on here. Yeah, we're thinking it is very important to not only get the female perspective on type 1 diabetes, and of course, there's tons of male perspective, but it is on the more rare side to hear from a bunch of type one dads. So we thought we'd bring my husband on and kind of just have a discussion all about how he's navigated the last year and a half and, you know, all the little things. Yes, exactly. It's very needed in the space to have more dad voices. So thank you, Danny, for coming on. We really appreciate it. This is the first of many times we'll have you on. So I'm excited. Um, all right. So let's start off. I want to hear a little bit about, let's just talk about your day. Today's been a, a day for both of you, I know. Yeah. We've honestly been recording or we're rec- recording right now at 8.30 p.m. because it's just what was needed. So go for it. Tell us about the wild day you had. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, today's kind of the like fifth building block of a long week of getting home from travel at the end of last week. There was a little bit of like stomach flu last week with with Hattie. Um, and then our younger daughter, Summer, has been just kind of sick for the last four or five days too. So they, they've both been, you know, not 100% um, themselves. And then two nights ago, I kind of woke up at like 11.45 p.m. and was not able to get back to sleep with, uh, some stomach flu. And then, uh, was kind of just down for the count yesterday and then thankfully felt a lot better this morning, but passed it on to Amanda. So Amanda was down for the count all day today. Yeah, I was, I woke up. I remember like Danny went to bed last night and I climbed in bed at like 9 PM and I just thought to myself, okay, it's going to happen. Like I can feel it. And then by 11, I was racing to the bathroom. It was so bad. And I was telling Dee this morning, like, I don't remember the last time I've ever felt this sick. This may be the most sick I've ever felt. Like the body aches were unbearable. Yeah. And, and so like, Horrible. yeah, we, we've been, we've been all hurting a little bit and I felt mostly better today, but still just like did not want to eat any food. So I had like two pieces of toast and some pasta today. Like that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, like, yeah, long, you know, nice long day with the girls was able to kind of like take them through their normal weekday routine, um, which is, you know, has a lot of its own pros and cons of like the pro is that I don't get to do it very often. Cause I work kind of a traditional, like, you know, eight to five job, So I'm not able to like take Hattie to preschool that often or take her to swim lessons. And so, you know, it's always fun to be able to go do those things. Um, But it's also like tough because, you know, I'm not the one in the driver's seat 90% of the time um, in terms of diabetes. And so like, I obviously follow her blood sugar a lot. And Amanda and I talk about kind of what we're doing in terms of dosing and and food and all that. And, you know, I like to feel like I'm pretty hands-on on on nights and weekends and everything. but doing a full 
day with lots of activities by myself is, you know, just, it doesn't happen all that often. So yeah, it was, you know, we can get into it throughout the episode, but there were lots of things today that were just kind of like, you know, bittersweet moments or tough moments. And uh, yeah, it's a whole different perspective doing it for nine straight hours, 10 straight hours than it is, you know, two hours, three hours. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Was there anything or go ahead, Amanda? Sorry. I was just going to say like for context that her typical um, like daily insulin needs are anywhere from like 14 to 17 ish units per day. But in the last mm, five days, she's dropped down to needing only eight to 10. And that poses such a challenge because then you're seeing a lot of lows and you're questioning like, is this all the activity? Did I miscount carbs? Like what other factors are going into this? So like, you know, I just want to put it out there that it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't you and what you were doing. Yeah. And we're in the middle of a weird transition with it, insulin needs. And, and it feels like things changing more often than not is kind of like the norm versus, you know, th- there's not really a whole lot of three week periods where, her ratios are the same and, and, you know, you can give her the same amount of food and insulin each day and everything will look the exact same. It just, it doesn't feel like that really happens all that often. Um, and like, you know, we had two, probably like two or three hour long instances today where there were just stubborn lows that were like, no matter how many carbs I gave her just would not go up more than like a point every five minutes. And she was down in the high sixties, low seventies. So like, you know, I'm just, basically having to shove, you know, fruit snacks and juice and like anything I can think of, you know, knowing that she's not hungry, knowing she doesn't like want to eat it, which is just kind of heartbreaking, but like, there's really no alternative, you know, she has to get her blood sugar up. Um, and so like that in itself was a challenge today. And I think the part that was even more of a challenge was like that happening right before I drop her off at preschool. So it's like, okay, this is all of a sudden, not in my hands anymore. I have to like trust that all this food I gave her is going to, you know, bring her blood sugar up or else I'll be, you know, calling the preschool and having them, you know, rush juice, you know, and and all that. So yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of like dealing with a loss of control that is super difficult, especially when you kind of think you have it figured out sometimes. And then things just work out completely differently than you thought they would. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're making me consider a lot more than I ever have right now how hard it must be to have so many different people involved in her day of blood sugars. So on just a normal day, right, it's the two of you, which is already way harder than I feel like what I'm dealing with because I just make the decisions myself and I do it and that's it. But the fact that you also are probably wondering, like, is this what Amanda would do or is this okay with Danny? Like, you know, you both are always considering that on top of trying to just decide for yourself, which is hard enough because no one really knows because insulin needs are always changing. And unfortunately, it's never going to stop. Yep. <laughs> it's worse for kids for sure while they're growing, but it's never going to stop. I'll tell you that. So um, yeah, that's really interesting. And then dropping her at preschool and having the teachers then involved. And I don't know, that's just a lot to consider. Yeah, and, and, you know, I'd like to think it'll get a little bit easier when she is a little more kind of aware of how she's feeling and what that Mm -hmm. means for, you know, what she needs. Like if she knows, okay, I'm feeling high, I should probably, you know, walk around a little bit more or ask someone to give me insulin and and maybe Mm -hmm. not eat that like second scoop of ice cream or like if she's starting to feel low, like, okay, maybe I shouldn't 
sprint around the house, you know, like yeah. it's, it's tough right now. Cause like she's three years old and I want her to be able to like go mess around with her sister and, and run around and sprint around the house. But like, there was another point where we were fighting a low after dinner and I, you know, she'd eaten probably half of the pasta that I dosed her for. And, um, she was still kind of like riding low. And so I had to like keep calling her back into the kitchen to eat more pasta, but she just wanted to go like, you know, be silly with her little baby sister. And so like, I think when she's able to feel, okay, I'm, I'm low. I know that I got a full dose. I haven't eaten all my food. Maybe I should do this just kind of of my own accord instead of like, you know, it does get tiring, like being the bad guy of like, you have to stop playing. You know, I think that that might be the hardest part. Absolutely. The other part with Hattie right now is she used to have a pretty dang well-balanced diet, but for whatever reason, something has shifted within the last, what would you say, like two months maybe, mm-hmm. where she wants only simple carbs and it is driving us crazy. She won't eat any of the protein that she had recently. I think I posted a story about this on Type One Together where the other day she said to me, I only like salmon, <laughs> eggs, and pasta or toast or something. And it's like the salmon and eggs, that's great. But I can't make you salmon and eggs every single day. And like, you used to love avocado. Now you won't have that. What vegetable will you eat? One bite of cucumber. Like the fruits are just, I don't yeah, know. And, and really like if only just to help smooth out her blood sugars, like we noticed so much smoother numbers when she has some type of fat or protein before she has her carbs. And so like if she's pushing everything to the side of her plate and just eating all the simple carbs, like it's just, it's a roller coaster all day. And all night. Yep. <laughs> Hopefully we can get into more of that stuff eventually with Meg or with a doctor. But I think there's like some hunger cue changes when you have type one and there's like different hormones like amylin and things going on that actually can affect like your cravings as well. Because if you think about it, when your blood sugar is rising and then crashing, like for anyone, you end up craving sugar. Mm-hmm. And so even if that'd, ours be helpful is, to, that'd be helpful to hear about. Yeah, we should definitely try to do something on that. Okay, so I'm curious, what did you do today, Danny, when you had to ask her to come eat more, but she wasn't wanting to? How did you handle that? Um, <laughs> I mean, like, I was thinking about this today. Well, so we actually had swim lessons, a little bit of a like non sequitur, but she had a swim lesson today, and they're like 15 minutes long because I think like they need the repetition daily versus like a two hour long swim lesson. So like she was in there, she jumped in the pool about minute two. She's like, I don't want to swim. I don't want to swim. And her swim teacher did such a good job at like turning it into a game. And then within like a minute and a half, she was like super stoked on it and was able to keep swimming and like ended up being like, I love swim lessons by the end of it. And so like, I know that turning things into a game is so helpful to, Mm like get toddlers and little kids to, to like kind of find things fun and do them even if they don't like initially think they want to. And I try to do that. And I think maybe like 10% of the time I do, but like days like today, you know, I'm just, I was so burnt out by like dinner time where I was like, I just don't have the juice to like try and make this silly and fun and ended up like having a conversation with her. Like, Hey, listen, this is something that's really serious. And like, if you don't eat some more of this food, you're going to feel really sick and your blood sugar is going to get super low. And we might have to give you like a shot because we kind of juggle back and forth between like, 
do we sugarcoat everything and do we try and like protect her from the harsh reality and like try and make it silly? Or do we like really make sure she knows from a young age that like, this is a very serious disease and we're not like, we're not kidding. Like you, you kind of have to take this seriously or else you might like be in trouble a little bit. And so kind of went towards that second side and she ended up eating more and like, we just gave her a bunch of different options, but yeah, it's like a daily struggle of like a, can I keep this kid a kid versus like forcing her to grow up? And then also like, can we keep any type of parental control and discipline when like she's, she's starting to know, like if I just hold out, I'll get that like Oreo or I'll get that like ice cream. So I don't need yeah. to eat my rice. So like, it's, it's such a tough battle. Oof. That is so challenging. I like the approach that you're taking personally, though. Like, I think it's good to just be real about yeah. it. Obviously, you're still being fun with her and, you know, you protect her as much as you can. But I think it's good to be real. Yeah. And it, and it was kind of like we were Amanda was in the room at that point, too. And we were like, you know, this isn't this isn't like a joke. We're not like being silly. She's like, I think it's silly. And <laughs> half of me was like, again, it's like such a it's such a like half of me feels one way, half of me feels another half of me was like, good, yeah. great. I'm glad she's keeping some like levity to it. And the other half of me was like, oh no, like, does she got it? It's not a joke because this could get really serious and really bad if you like think it's funny and you end yeah. up like passing out, you know? Yeah. So like, but she will understand that as she gets yeah, a little older. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah. I think it's just, we're in this stage right now where one, like being, di being diagnosed as a two-year-old our endo has told us that there are two ages where it's the most challenging to be diagnosed. It's two and being a teenager. And it's all because of the same things. Like the, like you're almost there with your control. You can, you know, you just want to do things yourself. Um, and then you're suddenly, it's all like taken away from you basically, you know? And man, we have felt that because mm -hmm. Hattie is, not your typical toddler. She is very, very challenging. Um, and I don't know. It's just a lot of. Yeah. I think she just like, she's always felt older than she is. And I think she's always wanted more autonomy than she's really like able to have at her current age. And so that just leads to a lot of power struggle and, we've talked about it a million times. These are going to be great traits for her as she gets older. Like she fights for what she believes in. She is very like, you know, she's like stubborn in a good way where she is stubborn only on things that she like really, you know, feels like she can defend her point of view. Um, but then also she's good at like apologizing afterwards and, and like, you know, having some, some clarity, but yeah, like, you know, the, the stubbornness is a big it's a big sticking point right now. It's, it makes it really tough to like force a three-year-old to do something life-saving. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know about you, but like tonight it hit me for like in a different way, probably because I didn't have them all day that we, you know, when we were battling like the dinner thing, we're like, eat more pasta, please. Cause Danny didn't even dose her the full amount for the pasta you put in front of her, you know? She's still going so low and she wasn't touching her avocado or her mm -hmm. veggies. And um, she just wanted to like get up and play. And I thought 
to myself. Like she went outside really fast and Danny was like, you need to come back inside. Like you can't run around. You can't sprint. You can't play. You're low. And we're trying to get you to come back up. And I was just thinking to myself, like, this is so crazy. If she didn't have type one, we would put a meal down in front of her, tell her, eat until you're full, listen to your body and walk away. Yeah, And that's all we would do. Yeah. Because it was so, yeah, it was so unfair because that's exactly what her sister did. She like took three bites and walked outside and was like looking at the view, you know, from the backyard. So it's like we we made sure to say it to Hattie a bunch of times, like, this is not your fault. This is not fair. It's not fun, but it's your reality. And it's like really tough to deal with. So I, I think like making sure that we continuously let her know that like, yeah, this sucks. It sucks. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. Other people don't have to deal with this, but you do. And it's really unfortunate, but that's kind of just your, like, you know, what's been handed to you in life. And yeah. so you like, you have to make the best of it and you can go through any emotion you want and you can like deal with it in your own way. But at the end of the day, like there are certain things that you kind of just have to do in that process. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to like those little things that seems so normal and not a big deal but like Kevin and I were walking to see a movie the other night and we were kind of late and so we were walking really fast and I was like kind of walking slower and he was like we should go and then he was like oh I'm so sorry like I forget (laughs) that if you like walk really fast you're gonna drop because sometimes I'll be walking a lot and I'll just start tanking you know and it's like really nice that he had that awareness in that moment because I you know I think about it but like we weren't walking that far so I probably wouldn't have gone too low but this is crazy. Like it's always yeah. in my mind. Like there's always something that's going to affect the next thing. And do, do you yeah. remember any times from when you were like, you know, a year or two after diagnosis of kind of going through these same type of like, Oh, my friends don't have to do this. I'm, I'm bitter. Like, well, what were your emotions like during that period of your life? I don't actually remember that much, especially in relation to other people. Like I don't remember thinking they don't have to do this. I remember hating having to get the shots because I couldn't have a pump for a few years. Like I hated having to like leave class, go to the nurse at lunch. She would give me my shot and I'd have to do all that stuff. But my friends ended up like wanting to hold my purse for me and like wanting to help me with my snacks. And like I remember thinking it was cool that I got to have snacks when other people didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So there's those things. But yeah, I actually don't really remember that. Um, I'm sure I had thoughts of that. But yeah. I don't, hopefully that's not what she's going to remember. And I feel like the way I've heard Hattie speak in the little time I've been around her about diabetes has been really positive, which is so cool to see. So y'all are doing something right. That is a good point that like, it feels like whenever she talks about her own diabetes, it's usually in the context of like other friends who have it or like Mm -hmm. meeting other people who have Dexcoms. Yeah. Cause she doesn't feel alone Yeah, because you've surrounded her with others, which is so amazing. That's awesome. So, okay. I'm curious. We just talked a couple episodes ago with Amanda about her whole experience in the hospital and how you weren't able to come with her for a lot of that because of the pandemic. So I'm curious, what did it feel like being outside of that room and not being able to be in the middle of it all and learning and then getting home with Amanda and just really not knowing what had happened the last couple of days, right? It was a few days. Yeah. Yeah. She was in there for two days. Um, I mean, it, it was, there's kind of a lot going on there. Like being home with the four month old was like, you know, at that point I kind of felt like that was the easiest possible role to play and all that. Like, you know, 
when we had Hattie first being alone with a four month old as our first child was like, Oh my God, this is impossible. And then it like kind of at that point it, that felt a little bit easier. So it wasn't like, I wasn't having a really rough time at home by myself with, with summer. But I think knowing that like Hattie was in the hospital getting kind of held down for all these IVs, like really struggling was obviously horrible and not being able to be there with her to like help comfort her was really tough. And then knowing that Amanda had to kind of like witness all that and and deal with all that alone, that was also really tough. And I just like, you know, knew that her background as a nurse was going to kind of take her brain to a lot of places that might've like not been very fun to go to by yourself, like being in a hospital like that and like knowing what can go wrong and knowing like kind of all the worst case scenarios. Um, and then also like being able to go see Hattie for 20 minutes was, I was really grateful for that, but that was also like also difficult. Cause it's like, all right, Hey, what's up? Okay. See ya. And then I had to like yeah. leave. Um, and also, you know, I, I was doing a bunch of research on my own just on the internet, but it feels like looking up like how to, how to care for a two-year-old with type one diabetes doesn't really, there's not really a whole lot of good resources for it. And like a lot of stuff is super medical textbooky. A lot of it is like, it's, it's, there's really no good middle ground, you know, until we found type one together, but like until now, (laughs) until now, like there was either really medical textbooky where it was, you know, it just took a lot of time and effort and like brain power to read, or it was super anecdotal where it's like, Oh, do I really trust this source? You know, if it's not like vetted by something. And so it was tough to find a balance between the two. And so like not being able to be in the hospital for all the education, I feel like I, you know, missed a lot of the early stuff. And then when Amanda came home, it's like, okay, yeah. Download me everything they just told you knowing that she had just gone through like the most traumatic couple of days of her life. And there was really no good way to like get up to speed quickly without just kind of being around it and like kind of going through the process of trial and error and, and like looking stuff up as I go. And so, yeah, it was a mix of all that of like kind of feeling like an outsider, but also like that was really the only option. Um, and then needing to like become an insider really quickly and then also have to like go back to work right after that. I was just going to ask, I forget, um, how long, you had off from work. Was it just that week? I think I took a week off. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, wow. it, it was, th- there was a lot. <laughs> and, and I think like trying to get myself up to speed without feeling like I'm adding to Amanda's mental load was like super difficult. And then also mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm just a very stuff like this. I get very anxious in worst case scenario. And so you know, we had so many middle of the night alarms going off right at the beginning. And, mm-hmm. you know, she was so young that like she she wasn't going to wake up and drink an applesauce at that age. So we had to like go in and put honey on her pacifier and stuff like that yeah. and like put it back in her mouth. And so the, the methods for getting her blood sugar up at that age were very like kind of anxiety inducing, like this worked once, is this going to work again? And then mm-hmm. like, I had a really hard time at the beginning figuring out how quickly like 15 grams of carbs would stop a low blood sugar or if it Mm -hmm. like 
if there were certain lows that were just going to keep going to zero, like I had no idea, you know, like I didn't know that 15, whether or not it would turn it around or not, or like how bad being above 250 was, or there was just a lot of like calibrating that had to happen. Yeah. I think everyone probably went through that to some degree. I'm curious if either of you have like very tangible things that you did during those first few weeks or even now, like how did you divide and conquer things, especially with Amanda staying home and you going back to work? Like obviously Amanda would kind of get the hang of things faster, which is unfortunate for both of you in different ways, you know, like that had to be hard for you too, Danny. So I don't know anything that you can think of that you did to make that a little less stressful. Yeah. I think like right at the beginning, I mean, Summer still wasn't sleeping through the night. So there was a lot of like our, our kind of our our method was I would wake up in the morning, like Amanda would wake up overnight for summer's feeds and stuff like that. And then I would get up in the morning with Hattie and do Hattie's breakfast dosing mm-hmm. before I went to work. Um, and so I, that's, I, I started to get comfortable because I had some consistency in terms of like, there was a long time where I was doing every breakfast dose for a while. And so like, mm-hmm. I got to see, okay, what does that do to her blood sugar? Like, you know, we were on MDIs for six months. And so that was kind of like a, you know, I, I, I love being on the pump. I think MDIs helped really gain like a base foundation of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, I, I think that was, I think you could probably get that elsewhere if you need to. Like, I think her quality of life has improved so much being on um, Omnipod, but like for us, since we, you know, had to be on MDIs anyway, I think it was a really like useful time in her, in kind of like my diabetes journey with her of like, okay, I'm really understanding like all the different factors to get her blood sugar to a certain number. Um, and so like, then I'll go to work and I would be kind of constantly checking her Dexcom and Amanda and I would be talking like, oh, I did this and it, and then this happened just kind of like, we'd have these informative like text check-ins a lot. Um, okay. and then, you know, I'd get home and we'd kind of just split duties a lot of the times on like, each of us to do one of their bedtimes or something like that. And so like, you know, we would just have a lot of tag teams and a lot of open communication and like, mm-hmm. it's such a difficult time where it's, it's really easy to like feel overwhelmed and, and kind of like, you know, if there's a bad blood sugar day, like kind of feel like you're on defense a little bit. And so I mm-hmm. think I was really focusing on trying to like treat it as much like a math problem as possible and not, attribute like good or bad to blood sugar changes and just attribute to like, okay, this is what we did. This is what happened, which we do next time was really helpful for us. Like kind of growing in the diabetes journey together instead of like turning it into a fight. Yeah. I like that point is a good one. And I want to just say one thing to it. I have a tendency, like I think a lot of wives probably do where it's like, I'll just do it because I know I'll do it better, you know, or I'll do it the way I want it to be done. And I worked really hard. We've been together for 14 years. So I worked really hard on this part of my personality well before the diagnosis, but the diagnosis forced me to really dive into this. And that is appreciating the help and just literally leaving it at that. Like, Mm-hmm. No, it's something it's yeah. something as simple as like you folded the laundry, thank you so much. And freaking leaving it at that instead of being like, oh, well, you're folding shirts when they're still inside out. Who cares? I can I can turn that shirt right side 
in or whatever, right side out, (laughs) (laughs) when I go to put it on. At the end of the day, he is attempting to help in the way he knows how, and that's great. And so in that same breath, when diabetes things would happen, there would sometimes be, it's natural to be super stressed when your numbers, when your child's numbers are constantly out of range. You have to inflict pain on them so that they can freaking eat food. Like, what is that? And then, yeah, like numbers are all out of whack. Like there's just a lot of tension that's always going to be building and you have to work hard on sorting through it. And so if Danny would take over and her sugar would go higher than like it probably would have if I did it, I really worked on being like, this is not a big deal. He also feels guilty about that. I'm going to encourage him instead. I'm going to thank him for taking that injection because I've done the last 10 and I can't do one more holding her down. And like the more practice he gets with just support and just open communication and not like being harped on, the better he's going to get the fast in in like the fastest yes. way possible. Yeah, you know? and, and I think that's a really good point. Like those times of, you know, like you've been doing it all week, you just have more, like, it's more of a second, it's more of a sixth sense for you. Um, me doing it, you know, on a weekend day or something like that, like all those times having the trial and error built up over time, gave me the confidence like to do it myself. And so I think, yeah, like if there were those micromanaging comments being thrown in there, I think that would have added kind of like a voice in the back of my head that would have made it more difficult to feel confident later. And so I think the buildup of you kind of like doing hands off a little bit and like letting me find my own way, even if it meant a bad blood sugar day or a couple of bad blood sugar days, I think that like the cumulative effect of that made up for itself over time. Yes. That's such a good tip. And I feel like that also applies to like trying new foods, right? It's like a couple of bad blood sugar days or not bad, high blood sugar days <laughs> aren't going to, <laughs> are not going to kill you. And it's so worth it for your overall mental health. Or in this case, Danny helping probably helped his mental health thinking that he's actually like helping in this situation and being a great dad. And then also Amanda, because now she can take more time for herself and give the kids over to Danny. So yeah. it's just a win-win. Exactly. Exactly. Amanda, did you have something else you wanted to add? If I cut you off, maybe not. No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, That is really helpful, I think, just to hear more of the dad side. I'm curious, if you don't mind me asking, what is the thing that you're currently fighting the most about diabetes-wise, <laughs> if there is anything? That's a good question. I don't know. Or like, what's stressful that's like, ugh, I would do it this way, but you would do it that way. Well, I, I think just in general... I am more scared of lows and prefer highs. And I think she mm. is I'm not more as scared of lows. Yeah. I'm, I trust low snacks to bring it up and I'm more comfortable with letting her sit in the sixties for just a little bit. Like I'm not comfortable her sitting in the sixties all day. That's not okay. And I know that, but I, I quickly got past the point of like, okay, she dropped to 70 and then 65 and then 62. So you need applesauce and juice and gummies. And instead I like, I just throw 15 ish grams, um, you know, at her and I'm like, eh, it'll turn around. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> That's going to come with time, Danny, I think. Yeah. Like yeah. just more repetition and and I think days like today, days like today don't help where I gave her probably yeah. 90 grams of carbs and she stayed at 70 for like two hours. I was like, oh, fuck, this is just never going away. This yeah. is, she's going to be low for the rest of her life. And I'm just I'm about, to, I'm about to take her to swim class and she's going <laughs> to drop by another 20. Yeah. And so like, I have. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that that would be my answer is that like there are sometimes when like Amanda will dose and I'll look at the number of units and be like, ah, you sure about that? <laughs> And I always think to myself, like, yes, I'm sure about this because I personally, you know, doing it so much for over a year and a half now would rather like catch a falling sugar when it's at like 120-ish versus Mm -hmm. fight a high that's at 300. I totally agree. You know, that's just my approach. But I think Danny's more comfortable with like, okay, it spiked, but it'll come back down. And I'm like, no, I don't like that. Like, I definitely feel more. Yeah. Like, I feel more anxious when it's like, she's climbing, she's climbing. Now she's flat. Why is she flat at 300? Oh my gosh, how much more insulin do I need to give her? And instead Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to assume you're taking in this many carbs at lunch. And then if I see you go from like 140 to 120 to 100 i'm just gonna be like do you want a juice box as a topper you know and yeah. then and then we catch it but that like i do need to say obviously we top all of our episodes with like this is not medical advice i really want people to hear that this is not medical advice mm-hmm. every single person is so different every child is different every method is different and you just do what works for you so just quick yes. disclaimer. That's what works for us. But Definitely. as you can tell, it works for me, not Danny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, even though I agree with you, Amanda, for my body personally, because I hate when I have a high, it's going to be like a whole situation to bring it down. And then you might get low and then you might, it like you start on the roller coaster. And it's so hard to get off of it. Whereas a low, if you just treat it and you don't over treat it, then like you'll just be sitting at a hundred or wherever you want to be. Um, but if I had a child with it or when I babysat, it definitely scares me more when they're going low. That makes total sense. And I think it really depends on what child you're dealing with, because as long as they're open to eating something, like if you have some sort of emergency yeah, the, save. That's the biggest thing for me is that like there have been a handful of times where she just like had a toddler tantrum and kind of like refused anything. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is about to get really, really bad. Like one of them, we were, it was not this year, but last year we were in Lake Tahoe. So she was still like, you know, a toddler and she had been swimming a bunch and she was dropping. So we were like losing blood sugar every, you know, we'd have to like get her out to check it. And she was like kept dropping. And she just was so mad that we made her get out of the pool that she like refused to eat or drink anything. And so times like that are kind of burned into my brain of like, what if this three-year-old doesn't just doesn't eat something. You can't like mm-hmm. force someone to like ingest something, you know, like yeah, we'll have to get the glucagon out. We'll have to like call an ambulance. Like it, I think the thinking about the worst case scenario for me for a low is worse than a high. And so like, I think that's mm-hmm. why my brain trends towards. <laughs> yeah. That's totally low. normal. Yeah. Um, I actually, I had breakfast with a type one today that I met for the first time and we were talking about how being low is so close to like an in-range number. So like if you're going to be in mm-hmm. range or at a number that like a non-diabetic would be, then you're so close to being low all the time. And so many people message me saying that they're so scared of insulin and it's such a common thing. Like lows are really scary, you know, but at the same time, 
it's so helpful when you start to get more comfortable being in that lower range. I don't know. It's so challenging. Yeah. I think it all just boils down to having a young child who could at any point decide, hey, screw you, mom and dad. I'm not (laughs) eating or drinking anything up yours. Mm -hmm. And that's like very Hattie's personality. Mm -hmm. Just like – she she goes from zero to a hundred so quickly where she's sweet, sweet, sweet. Everything's great, easy, whatever. And then just like in an instant. And it takes forever to get her back yeah. down to like a calm, level-headed place. Yeah. Have either of you ever talked to anyone who has microdosed glucagon? Because I used to babysit for some families that did that where they would just take like a very small amount of glucagon whenever their child would refuse stuff. Because think about a baby, like a little, little baby that's, I mean, you basically had a baby, but you know, no, a little no, one yeah, uh, who's very... not even eating. I always thought like, it's like, I can't wait for someone to invent like an Omnipod for glucagon. I don't know if that's, mm-hmm. I haven't done enough research on that to see if that's actually something that can happen. <laughs> but like, it'd be so yeah. nice to just have like, okay, bring blood sugar up, bring it down. Like, Yes, like there's been talk be... of doing that in a pump where you have insulin and glucagon. I think there's like some other issues of it constantly fighting each other, but they're trying to figure out a way. Yeah. At least yeah. I heard a couple of years ago to do that. Um, well, that'd be sweet. Yeah. Be <laughs> well, nice. honestly, I think that we could be like, okay, this is so fucked up and don't think that we would actually do this. Do you, you guys on this podcast? What? You can say fuck on this We podcast? decided we do. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps coming. I, sorry, like I. Did you said it earlier? Keeping it real. I just. <laughs> I don't. I don't curse like that often, but it's definitely like part of my vocabulary. So yeah, it's some emphasis. It's yeah. it slips out sometimes. I'm sorry. We don't need to be scared of the words. Gosh. Um, <laughs> anyway, Raquel just went and like shrugged her shoulders. Um, anyway, I, now I lost my train. <laughs> Oh, that we would, like, I swear that if we brought a glucagon needle up to her and we were like, okay, you're not having anything and that's okay, but now you need an injection that she'd be like, no. And, you know, because I tell her all the time, we can stop with your pump. Like, this is your disease. So whenever you need a pump break, tell me, we'll go back to injections. And there was one point recently where she said, yeah, I want to go back to injections. And we brought Atlantis dose out. And she was like, no, like put that thing away. Get me my Omnipod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's me too. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Okay. So as we wrap up, I'm kind of curious how you've been coping with it since it all began as a T1D dad. <laughs> Intent. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I feel like I have just like, like most, um, males kind of was brought, brought up to like, <laughs> I don't know, stuff my emotions deep down. And so I've been working on that a lot, uh, in the last few years and like, I don't know, just trying to like be more aware of how I'm feeling and, and how I deal with kind of grief and difficulties. And I think one of the ways that I deal with grief the most is through humor. And so like when Amanda, reached out to you Raquel and like you guys started you know posting or man started posting on type one together I would like have these ideas of, like oh you should you should post this you should post this like and just like they'd be stupid little memes and jokes and stuff and she's like well I don't know it just doesn't really like that's not really our our brand and like and she's like well you should just do it yourself and I was like okay 
that's a good idea. And so I made, yeah, I made an Instagram account and just like post stupid little diabetes memes. So and who uh, are you? T1D dad. <laughs> T1D dad. Hard launch for T1D dad. <laughs> My husband is at T1D.dad. Surprise, everyone. The, that's why I've been getting all the prime real estate on the Thursday meme posts. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, it's been so funny because people get so mad that we keep posting T1D.dad memes. And sometimes we like don't tag him because we just like forget and Amanda's posting it quickly, whatever. And people have literally messaged us being like, you're not giving him credit. What's going on? Like, this my, is my diehards. <laughs> yes. They're like, and we're like, okay, he's literally part of, basically part of the the TOT team at this point. And uh, yes, there's a reason why we we post his memes That's every so week. But funny. they're amazing. Like literally they make my whole day. Every time I see him, he's posting all the time, by the way. Like if you actually follow his account, which you need to, if you're yeah. not already, go follow TOND.dad because there's a lot that we don't share. He just cranks them out. And I don't know how you think of all of them. Just, yeah, my, my brain's broken. I don't know. It's just <laughs> <laughs> when we first started dating, they're like, that's just his humor, you know? And he speaks in like shows and movie quotes and stuff. <laughs> I was like, you're funny most of the time, but sometimes like this stuff really goes over my head. And then as the years <laughs> have passed, now I'm like, ah. Uh. God, why am I like this too? It's in my brain. Yeah, yeah, you're infected. I love it so much. Well, thank you for bringing humor into diabetes and for giving us some amazing content. We love it. (laughs) Thank you for thanks for all the free reach. (laughs) All right. Well, anything else you want to share with the Type One Together community before we sign off today? Um, Maybe anything that you would want to say to other type one dads who are brand new to it or who are currently struggling. Yeah. I I think like the biggest thing would be don't let your ego get in the way of like trying to be as helpful as possible. Like even, you know, perfect is the enemy of the good. And so I think like trying to put in as much effort as you can to like, take the, take the burden off your partner or take the burden off your kid. Like I think it'll pay dividends and you might have to push through a little initial discomfort. Um, but the effort's worth it. I think like that'll be very helpful down the road. Um, and then the other thing is like, make sure you take care of yourself too. You know, there's, it's a very stressful position to be in. Like you have a lot on your plate, you have, you know, if you're, if you're working outside the house, like you have your job, you have your family, you have your kids health every minute of the day. So like, don't be afraid to take time off for yourself and, you know, ask for a couple hours, half a day, something like that. You know, if you just want to get started, don't, uh, be too proud to ask for that. Mm. Love it. I love that. All right. Well, let's do our little blood sugar roll call. Well, are we, do, wait, sorry. Are we doing the... <laughs> follow and everything yes um we can do that first so it's been so take it away amanda um wait what are we doing (laughs) rate review subscribe and share subscribe no stop it (laughs) oh no uh (laughs) share with a friend we appreciate when you all share an episode with a friend that you think this would be helpful yes 
Yes. Rating, reviewing, and subscribing seriously helps us grow. And the more we can grow, the bigger reach we can have. And the whole point of everything Type 1 Together is to help families and therefore help children. So please, um, yeah, do what you can if you're enjoying it. And then we are at... Type 1 Together. Type 1 Together. Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. Um, you can join our super parents community for free right now on the Honey Health app to access a lot of exclusive video content and our community chat. You can find our TUND babysitter list as well as a bunch of other free resources and downloads on our Instagram and the link in our bio. And you can also access our TUND Diagnosis Made Simple course there, the online self-paced course to help newly diagnosed families and their support squad. Stay tuned for our TUND grandparents course coming very soon in the fall. That'll be our third round. And yeah, just come say hi <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was good. Sorry we fumbled it. You guys, we're really working on it. Okay. <laughs> and it's late. It's 930 now, so yeah, it's okay. True. Okay. Blood sugar roll call. Raquel, I'm 131. All right. And then I feel like this is very uh, on brand for what I was just talking about. She's fighting a stubborn low going into bedtime, so I might have over-carved her. So she's at 198 right now. I'm going to go dose her. That's all right. (laughs) All right, everyone. We will see you next week. Thank you, Danny, so much for being here. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.